Welcome to this week's MicroConf Refresh episode, where we play the audio of a past MicroConf talk, usually one of the top-rated talks of all time. I am your host, Rob Walling, and today's talk is from 2012, so we're going back in the archives. The talk is from Sarah Hatter of CoSupport, and it's called Cheap and Easy Customer Support. She says, learn how to offer your customers amazing support over email and Twitter, create a fanatical user base, and how to avoid the quagmire of one-star reviews. Sarah Hatter is a multi-time MicroConf speaker, and she has forgotten more about customer support than most of us will ever learn. So I hope you enjoy this talk from Sarah Hatter. So yeah, hi everybody. This is gonna be super fun because I've, I weaseled my way into getting my Q&A stuff built into my time. So we're gonna do three things in my talk. We're gonna talk about who I am, why I'm here, we're going to do some real-world examples of how you guys can be doing support faster, better, easier, cheaper, smarter, funnier, all that stuff. And then if you want, I thought that we could also do sort of some life lessons about ooh, sorry, starting a business. Because I've only been in this business myself for a year. I've been in the web scene for years and years and years, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, do you guys want to hear about that kind of shit, or do you not want to hear about that shit? You want to hear about it? OK, cool. So, <laughs> okay, so let's start real quick with uh, me, who I, who I am, what I am doing here, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm super passionate about customer support for apps. I think that we are in a really great place where we're finally at this awesome plateau of having customer support that's awesome and accessible and educational for people is as important as fast code and great slick design. And all of you guys in the room know it. And I love that so many of you guys are doing this yourselves for your own apps and that you're taking that on from the very beginning because it sets a tone for the customer support the rest of the app life. Uh, I started CoSupport last year. So we've been in business for, um, I don't know, over a year which I can say, <laughs> and, and literally I have been doing customer support for 16 years. My very first job was working at a call center for shit you buy on TV, like ShamWows and stuff, when I was like 15. And yeah, it was horrible. One of the ones that we sold was um, a radio ad for, you could, you could call in and get a spiral bound notebook that lists all the brothels in Nevada. And so it was all truckers that would call, and I was like 15 years old, and sure, where are you going, sir? So I started doing that, <laughs> and then uh, I don't have any kids either. I'm not married, but I didn't want to leave out like a kid photo, but I, so I thought I'd just show you a picture of me with a mullet in fourth grade. <laughs> I'm right there in the middle, if you couldn't tell. And the great thing about this photo is because like, I obviously know what I'm doing. <laughs> Right? I've been doing it for a long time. And yes, you've probably heard of my last job, blah, blah, blah. It was a really great place to work. I learned a lot being there, and they're really good, wonderful people. And I like everything about them, and they're really wonderful, and you should all like them as friends and be friends with them. Um, <laughs> so. Anyway, I don't work there anymore. And one of the reasons I don't work there anymore is because I think that since they're really great, smart, wonderful people, they did a lot of really smart things. And so I wanted to talk about some of the smart things that happened when I worked there. One of those being that they launched a product with zero customer support. They didn't think it was important whatsoever. They didn't have a support staff for their product for almost three years until I begged them to let me take over support because I was actually embarrassed working there. The product, the customer support for the product was just really bad. 
And then on top of that, they really never ever thought that customer support was as important as design, and so it never got the resources of anything else. It was the least, it was most underpaid and the least sort of focused on part of the whole company. So very smart, really smart stuff. Again, good people. Um, and the other thing, too, is that support was always kind of an afterthought. They'd build these products, they'd build these products, and then they'd bring me in and say, so we built this product and here's what it does, and I'd say, well, you can't do that. That's going to just cause support. People are just going to have to write support for that. And they'd say, yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, I think that the problem with these smart things that happened at this great company was that they learned from those mistakes too late. And they ended up sort of building up around this whole philosophy of say no to customers and say no to feature requests and don't listen to them. Just build your app and you build it how you like it, which is great if you're you know, you want to do that. But at the end of the day, we're now in a place where we need to build apps based on what people want and what people need and what people are asking for. And so we've all sort of learned that's the better way to go. So how many of you guys are doing support for your app by yourself? You do it. Yes, I love all you people. How many of you guys are using a help desk, like uh, user voice who's really super awesome, or desk, or Zendesk, or awesome, awesome, awesome. So um, you don't need to do that by the way. All of you guys are micro-founders, you're micro-entrepreneurs. I don't know how many of you guys are profitable, but you shouldn't be spending even $49 a month to do any of that shit. Um, not until you make like $10,000, $12,000 a month, you should not be paying for a help desk solution right now. So we're going to talk a little bit about what you can do instead that's literally like super cheap, super easy. We're going to start with emails, forms, and inboxes. I'm sort of rushing through this, but I, want, I can see everybody in, all the way in the back of the room. So if you have questions, please raise your hand and we'll, we'll take the question during the talk instead of waiting to the end. Um, so how many of you guys have heard of TurboScan? TurboScan, do you guys use it? It's an awesome app. It's one of the top paid apps in the iTunes App Store. It's an app for your phone, I think for your iPad too. You can take a picture of anything and turn it into a PDF. It's amazing, I use it for contracts all the time. And it's crazy, crazy, crazy wonderful and very popular. So what happens if you don't understand how to use this app, this top paid iPad app that's all over the place that Apple advertises? If you go to turboscan.com, this is what you get. Please email us. We answer most support emails within a few hours. Thank you. So <laughs> that's it. This is a URL. I think it's turboscanapp.com. That's it. There's nothing else on the page. And the funny thing about this is besides the fact that it's totally fucked up to do this to your customers, they don't write you back. I've written them 17 times since December, and I've never gotten an email response. <laughs> right. So the second thing that's wrong with doing a page like this is you're giving the customer an out, number one, because the customer is going to see this and like, no, thanks. Forget it. I'm not even writing them. But two, you're not gathering any data from them whatsoever. You're not getting a subject. You're not getting any way to triage emails. You're not getting any way to run analytics on emails that come through based on time zone or device or any of this stuff. And what ends up happening is you get an inbox that I'm going to show you. This is one of our customers that we just started doing support for. You get this, name and the URL. This is horrible. This is horrible for any sort of support. And if you did, looked at this all day long, you wouldn't want to do support either. So instead, the best thing that you could be doing just to start is to build a contact page, a contact form that gathers information and allows the customer to set the tone of the email, set any tags, 
gathers information about their device and all that stuff. This is another one of our customers' readability. We built this form for them, and we give the customer the opportunity to say, I have an issue with this specific thing. I have an issue with the iOS app, the Android app, the mobile website. I have a feature request. Down at the bottom, I'm even a developer, and I want an API key. Really specific things. So this does all the work for you, which means when you get to your inbox the next day, you're seeing everything right there in front of you. It's tagged. All, this, all these tags, are then you can run analytics on the tags. You can scan through this first thing in the morning and pick out every single thing that's, I can't log in, or I have a problem, or this thing sucks. You can leave all the other stuff for later, and it kind of gives you a way to control visually how you go into your support. Does anybody do this right now? Yes, <laughs> she does it. <laughs> you're, or, you're an or organizational kind of person, right? So do you have, do, is this for your clients, or do you have your customers that do it, or for your own apps that you're doing that? For your own apps, perfect. I think that everybody should be doing this even for their own personal email. You should have personal email folders that you're putting stuff into. Reply later, reply later, I don't want to do this, reply now. So another inbox I want to show you too. This is from Desk, which is a paid app. Like I said, you don't really need to use paid apps. I got this great screenshot from um, Heaton. This is their Gmail inbox actually for Kissmetrics. And what you can see is they have multiple people using one Gmail inbox, multiple email addresses going right into one inbox, and they're able to prioritize using the little superstars function that you can enable under your Gmail settings, and all of their emails come in and are tagged with people's names, meaning that person's gonna go answer it, or this is a bug, this is a bug in IE, this is crazy smart stuff. And they're like a billion something dollar company, I think, right? Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm just flattering him at this point. But this is like the super smart thing to do. The other really smart thing to do, again, you can shift all this stuff out of your inbox so you're not seeing it. So Cindy can have her own folder and only Cindy goes into their emails that are about IE go into one folder you can send them to a developer to do. So the other thing that Kissmetrics does, and they're also a co-support customer, so maybe that's why I'm talking about them so much, is that they offer the selected issue, tell us about the issue, but way up at the top we see how can we help you. The first thing that they say is, have you checked out our support site? Meaning that they actually are making this self-service for people. You don't have to email me, go find information like right here. And this can link to a help section, it can link to a customer forum, it can link to get satisfaction. It can link to any sort of historical data that you have online that's documentation based. So this is another screenshot of what we did for readability. This is also in desk, but you can see that we have categories about all this stuff. And each one of these, how to use it, apps for iOS, all of these have multiple, multiple articles. And each article is maybe two, three sentences with a screenshot. That's it. Super, super easy. It'll take you a Saturday to do it all. You could probably get 100 of them up. And the great part is, right at the top, it's searchable. So your customers can just type in anything and search it. Anyone doing this yet for your app? Well, you don't count, Teldy. <laughs> if you haven't thought about doing this, think about doing it right now. Let this be the very first thing that you do. Even before you start on support, hiring, and all that kind of jazz, get a searchable. Yes? This is desk.com, formerly assistly.com, now Salesforce. Pretty much any help desk solution will offer this built in. They call it a knowledge base. Um, and it's wonderful, you can also build this yourself in HTML, but it's a little bit easier using a service because it's kind of like old-timey like type pad or blogger interface with the selected picture. 
So um, if you want to use something like this, it'll cost you, it's free for two users. So again, a really great free option. If you want to add more users, it's $49 a month. So any questions on that stuff? I know I'm jamming through these so we can get to question time. Yeah, totally. Well, you can do both. It's all about presentation. I think that when you're in a state of developing an app, a customer forum is really, really important because you're getting customers to talk about stuff. You're seeing stuff in public, and it's a historical record of what people are questioning you about, asking for information for. And it's also helping when you have someone post on a forum, this doesn't work, how does it work, I don't like this. They're identifying design flaws for you. So that kind of stuff is really great. When you have a searchable index like this, you can track what people are searching for. You can track what to the top hits are on your help section. So you get a better sense of what's confusing people. What do they not know? What am I not presenting well enough in the app store? What's not in my description that people are asking me? I think that it's wonderful to be completely transparent and open and let people email you all day long. But I think that most customers just want to get the answer online. So like when we see, we see the, the app for TurboScan, it's just an email address. That's not very educational for me, right? There's no other option whatsoever. It's kind of like <laughs> you want to find a nice middle ground where people have accessibility to you, but they also have accessibility to education. Anyone else? More questions? Okay, this is a super, super, super easy one, prioritizing. Does anybody have a really good trick for prioritizing email so that they get it done quick and they don't kill themselves at the end of the day? What? Oh, what's this? Reschedule things later on, that's amazing. So I love that idea. I use folders for it personally in Gmail. I use labels and like I said, move it out of the inbox. And then the great thing about Gmail or folders is that you see an unread count. So you can go to it at your, whenever you want. Yes, Corey. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that stuff is great. All that kind of stuff, follow up, get to it later, get to it later is great. What I like to do, especially if I'm the only person there doing support, which many of you are, is figure out what I'm going to do first, what matters to me now, what matters for later, which, what's the stuff that I can push on for later. So easily, the very first thing is scanning the inbox like we did with the subjects and the tags for anyone saying, I can't log in, something is broken. These are indications that you need to stop what you're doing and look at the email. And you can, you can look at an email for someone saying can't log in and read it in two seconds and know whether they're just an idiot or something's broken. So that's important. The next thing, obviously, this isn't working. I need help. I need billing issues. The reason that these two are like top of mind priority for support and should always, always be answered every single day is because they're paying customers. Not only they're paying customers, but if they're paying customers, it means they have a login for your, your whole website. It means that they also have access to rating you online. So what we find with customers and what we find when we do brand salvage of companies that have had a really bad support run and they're trying to figure out what they can do better is that overwhelmingly people that write iTunes reviews or App Store reviews are saying no one ever got back to me from support. 
And we go and check because we can track those people. We can look them up and see, did we reply to them? Usually they posted their review a day after setting their support request. So this kind of stuff is really important. And all of the app stores now require that you have accessible support information in your app store description. If you go through, if you're in the app store, if you're in like even a Chrome app store, you're anywhere, you're even on Twitter, like start Googling and searching for what people are saying about your support, your accessibility, and you know, use that as a way to prioritize what you should be doing. The next thing, the next two things I think kind of go hand in hand, they're sales emails. How does this work? Does it do X? Do you have this feature? And then of course, feature requests. We all love feature requests. Is there anybody in the room who does not re reply to feature requests? Awesome. Yes, you guys are all on track already. Everyone should reply to feature requests. I don't care if you do it today or tomorrow or next week, but you need to reply to them. And the other great thing that you should think about using as a tool is Text Expander. Text Expander is your friend. Has anyone used it? Yeah, so write your scripts. Write them with little blanks that you fill in. Say, thanks so much for your vote on this. We don't have plans to offer X right now. We love hearing from you. Send us more ideas, that kind of stuff. Use tools that help you get through this stuff easier. Because if you're letting stuff back up or you're putting things in folders where you're going to follow up on it later, it's going to be a slug to kind of get through. OK, any questions on that? That stuff's easy. The next thing, I hate Twitter. <laughs> I hate Twitter so much that I ran a script recently to block people on Twitter because it doesn't work for my username since it's like SH. I get anything that anyone ever types into Twitter with at SH anything on it, I get the responses too. I'll give anybody in this room $1,000 if they can fix it for me. Um, <laughs> but I wanna talk about Twitter because Twitter is a great, free, cheap, easy, useful way to do support and it's indexed by Google. It is a historical record of conversations that you have with your customer. It's a historical record of like accessibility that you are have as a brand to you tweeting out updates, to you tweeting to you know favorite users and all that stuff. Can anybody guess what my very favorite Twitter account for customer support is? Like the, the best Twitter account out there who's doing great customer support on Twitter? Anyone? Zappos. Not Zappos. Anyone else? Corey, <laughs> Eric. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. At Taco Bell. Everybody go and look at it right now. It's amazing. Let's read through some of their awesome Twitters right now, okay? Check this one out. Is it possible for me to have intercourse with your food? Well, technically, but we prefer you just eat it like a civil human being. <laughs> right? Let's have another one. <laughs> this is great. It only gets better. Check this one out. I love you. That's all. Best tweet ever. They're so wonderful. The next one. I think the Dorito taco sucks. That makes you and nobody else. <laughs> It's incredible. Yeah, these are just from a couple days ago. Like, I just did this a couple days ago because I wanted them to be new and relevant. The next one, do you guys sell hot dogs? Let me check, no. Yeah. This is awesome shit. This is awesome shit. And so, <laughs> it's one guy. It's one guy. He was, he was initially hired as a social media intern and now he's taken it over completely. So. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. And this kind of freedom that you have with customers is going to elicit raving loyal fans. Because there's no bullshit here. There's no, I'm sorry you don't like our Doritos Taco Locos. Maybe you'll like our blah, blah, blah. They, it's like, you know, you, that makes you and nobody else. It's awesome. And it's Taco Bell. It works with their brand. You know, do have a voice and a tone that works with your brand that's fun and engaging. 
This is another really cool, like a whole conversation that my friends and I were in about Taco Bell. And they actually were like, pacing yourself as overrated, overrated, let's do this. Because my friend said, I'm going to eat Doritos all weekend long. Like, this is the kind of conversation you want people having about your app and your service and your company, having it in a fun way. Last one, Corey, who's in the room. Mrs. No tweet leaves no taco-related tweet unturned. I love that their response is, we're trying, believe that. Like, <laughs> they're just into it, you know? This kind of stuff is really inspiring for anybody who wants like a free, easy resource to engaging with your customers. Do you guys think that you should reply to every single person on Twitter? And it, you, do you think that you should reply to every single person who like mentions you on Twitter? Yeah, not everybody. Not everybody. <laughs> Tell me your answer. Why would they use my name if they didn't want me to know? Well, that's a little bit different. I mean, if someone is actually writing to you specifically at Peldi, absolutely. You should respond to everybody. You should respond to everybody and just be fun and friendly because what we learned from looking at the Taco Bell is language is important, but so is having fun and not being super buttoned down and corporate about your app and your company and being professional. I hate professionalism so much. Um, Okay, so that's that. That's the Twitter stuff. Does anyone have any questions about that kind of stuff? Yes? Um, so I use my Twitter account as a personal account, like a separate machine, and then it's basically all of my customers' Right, that happens to me too. I think you should use whichever one has had it has a sort of built up audience of fans using it. And if you want to have a private account, create a personal private account where that's not, that's never going to happen again. But if you were your brand, or if you were known for your brand, like I'm known for my brand, um, whatever. And people I think already know that I don't get at replies. So a lot of people will reply to my co my company account, which we never use because I'm the brand, right? So if you want to separate the two, I would certainly suggest now, if you guys haven't done this already, have a private personal account. You can still use your face as the brand and still use um, that other account for customers. Anything else about Twitter? Yes? Yeah. Very cool. So yeah, he said if you guys didn't hear him, he's seeing that he leaves the message in on his mobile. Um, is it like your the mail app or whatever the signature that just says sent from my iPhone or sent while mobile? And it's a really great indication to his customers that he's always available and accessible. I think that's great. You shouldn't be doing that during dinner though, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're going to move into the last little segment about real life customer support stuff. Some of you guys saw me talk about this a few times before this year, um, language that's used in support that I think a lot of us are guilty of or have been guilty of in the past that I'm trying to eliminate from the support vernacular. And those are what I call these empty words. So I'm just going to kind of put them up there and we can discuss like what they feel like <laughs> as they come up. Feedback, hate that word. Worst word ever written ever by anyone. Content, probably worse. Inconvenience, I can't even spell this word right most times, which means it's evil to me. Just to even see it is just terrible. That isn't, this isn't we don't, we won't, we can't. Anyone who's familiar with my former career life have probably heard a lot of these words 
a lot from that great company. Um, does anyone know why I don't like these words? <laughs> no? Okay, so good, no one's heard this talk before. Feedback is a sound that a microphone makes when a guitar gets too close to it. You don't want to ever tell your customers thank you for your feedback because that's just completely brushing them off and saying get out of my face. Content is sort of a way of being very derogatory about somebody's words that they've written to you in earnest. So it's not content. Uh, inconvenience, we all know this whole, like, the old adage, if I spill hot coffee on you, I'm not gonna tell you, sorry for the inconvenience. I'm gonna say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that happened. I'm so sorry. That's the kind of focus that you wanna have with your customers so that they know that you really care about what they're saying to you, whether it's in email or in Twitter or wherever. So the opposite of this then would be full words. Here are my, some of my favorite things to say to customers. I encourage you all to give it a try. Thank you, I'm sorry, that's a hard one. This sucks, I know it's frustrating, that's a bug, you're right, great idea, thanks for the vote. And the last one, I don't know. I have a lot of customers who have a, lot, have a hard time with this. I know AD told me that after a year of me training his team, he's still having a hard time not saying unfortunately, which is another one of the words I hate. It's hard to get out of the habit of saying these words because we're so used to hearing them, so we get really used to saying them. And one of the worst ones is saying, I don't know, and saying, I'm sorry. I have customers who refuse to say, I'm sorry. And I think, why not? What's the big deal? What's the big deal? If it doesn't matter. Saying I'm sorry doesn't mean you're taking responsibility for anything. It just means that you're really sorry that someone's pissed off at you and you're gonna try to do your best to fix it for them. Right? Does anyone disagree with that? No. <laughs> I have a feeling you guys don't wanna say that you disagree. But <laughs> I would say, try to get these into your vernacular and one really easy way to do that is if you're going to use shortcuts, keyword shortcuts, autocompletes, or something like text expander, start putting these into your scripts and don't take them out. Even if they don't sound like you, even if they sound uncomfortable, trust me, this is what your customers want to hear. They don't want to hear the professional, crappy feedback content speak. So that's it for that side of things. Our just summary on this, support is, is important as code and design. You should invest in it as much as you do anything else in development of your app. And when I say invest, I mean money, I mean time, and I mean hiring the right people to do it and not just finding someone to do it because you don't want to do it and they're not really even qualified to do it. That's not going to help you. Keep it friendly, keep it fast, educational and fun. Be like Taco Bell. I can't believe I'm even saying that. I don't even eat Taco Bell, and I think their Twitter is just so incredible and amazing. Secondly, go make money. That's what we're all here to do. That's what I've been trying to do this year, and it's been working great. And I think that you guys are, if you kind of think about like the customers, the people who are going to actually be handing you money to do these things, you remember that we need to be great and kind and awesome to them, as well as educational and offer them accessibility and all that stuff. So that's the end of that part. Any other questions? Yes, yes, wait, yes. I'm going to start walking the microphone Thank around you. now. Thank you, Rob. So yeah, welcome back. My support team is really friendly. Yeah. And uh, I have to a lot of times go in and tell them to cut uh, it out. Yeah, to fire yeah. some customers that just overrun. So maybe you could speak to that for just a moment. So do you, yeah, so his question, well, you heard his question. Do you have problems with people just asking, taking up too much time of your support people? Yeah. So when I worked for this really great company that I used to work for, and I was the only person doing support, I was answering maybe 200 emails a day on average. And every single day from March of 2009 until 
probably April of 2010, I got one or two emails from the same guy over and over and over and over. And it was really weird because every time he wrote me an email, it would be like, please advise. Like, I never, we've never talked before. Like, we're not friends. Like, come on, Rich, I know you. So what I ended up doing was saying, like, what the fuck is this guy? Does he have no, does he do nothing else than write me support emails? And I went through his account, and I found out that he was paying the most money he could pay us for four apps every single month, and he'd been doing that consistently for a year. So to answer your question, I ended up comping all of his accounts because I think that's amazing, amazing loyalty. And when you look at it that way, it's far less annoying. So that's the one thing I would do. But if these customers are not making you money and they're really just being a time suck, you just need to tell them you're being a time suck. And you can do that kindly. <laughs> what I found, but you're being a time suck. This is the thing. If, you, if you, we're in an educational setting, I'm going to be honest with you and be like, dude, you know what, I've got to go. Write me an email with all your questions and I'll answer them when I can. But this one and back and forth and back and forth kind of thing is not working for either of us. So some things that we advise people to do when they have these time sucky customers is to tell them, save all your questions for one big email and send it to me at the end of the week. That works for a lot of people. They end up getting emails that have 10 or 12 questions in them on a Friday, but it happens. Say to the customer, you know, it sounds like you have a lot of questions about this you know, do you want to have a quick phone call? We can go over some of these things. And trust me, as much as I hate phone support, a quick phone call with someone alleviates a lot of the stress and anxiety they have about using your app. So when you see people coming back and forth with, does it do this? How does it do this? Does it do this? That's also an anxious person that just needs to be reassured that everything's kind of be cool with you guys. So if none of those things apply, just stop replying to them. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that, please. Okay. <laughs> I get I comp their account for free for life. No, their whole all of their accounts they were paying us. Yeah. So it really differed from the philosophy of the cool company that I worked for, um, but I think it was really wonderful for the customer, and, it, and they ended up just loving it, and that's what counts. That's what matters. Yes. So I have a question about outsourcing support. Yeah. Um, you know, single founder. Sure. You know, every hour I spend in the support is an hour I'm not working on a bug, Absolutely. and it's not fixing features or anything. Totally. So, um, how? What, what, what suggestions do you have on outsourcing support? Good sources. Yeah. You know, techniques, trip tips, training. So, how, do you know about how many support emails you get per day? Well, I try to shove everybody over to my support forum instead. Yeah. So I've been doing that. Now, like, if they give me an email, I'm like, hey, I'm a single guy here. I, you go to the support forum. There's stuff over there. To, right. you know, Because most of the questions, probably vast majority of them, 90% or more, are all questions that are either answered in my FAQ or they're things that they can search on in the forum. Absolutely. So the so problem, I, I tell the problem them with that, that is they don't know that and they can't find that. So you need to get a little bit better about being self-service. Clearly. So, okay, so let's say you get less than 25 emails a day on support. It's That's an opportune time for you to raise up a great support person who can be with you for a number of years, but who's starting out sort of in this support role with you at the beginning of things. We do outsource support very minimally. We like to do it for people that have one to two people on their team. So it's mostly people like this in the room. Um, and there are people like you who just, they need to spend time on dev. They can't be doing support for them. So there's resources out there. Um, one of the other really great resources out there that I hesitate to tell you guys because it'll put me out of business is find really loyal customers that like you and that are really excited about you and give them superstar status in your forums to answer your customer questions on your behalf. It works. 
especially on stuff like on get satisfaction, you can take someone who comments on a lot of stuff or who points people to, there's an answer over here, you can actually make them a representative of your company on a forum like that. And if you really trust them, pay them you know, 15 bucks an hour to answer the 25 emails in, a, in two hours or something like that. So, yeah. Okay. Other questions? We're gonna move into the lightning round real quick here. Do you have a la last question? Okay. So the product that I sell is is very technical and very complex, very kind of computer science-y. Like, Everyone says that. Uh, and, well, <laughs> good point. Yeah. Um, the, Everyone is reinventing the Guggenheim machine or whatever it's called, the Guggen the Guggen's machine. Uh, so, so the machine. problem, my, my question is, <laughs> uh, and it's it's pretty good and it works pretty well most of the time. But when I do get um, get bug reports, they're really deep and really hard, and it's like, yeah, I can. I can look at this, and it's going to take me like the next six months to solve this problem. What's yeah. what's the best way, or or would you speak to um, basically saying you're right? You have a point. You found a bug. I'm sorry. I'm not going to get it fixed tomorrow, or maybe ever. That's it. That's it. You did it. Yeah. So great. I'm out of a job. Thanks a lot. So. <laughs> I do that with people all the time. And especially when you, when you know, A, this is a deep-seated bug that is, we're, we're putting a lot of resources in figuring how to fix it, and it's not a tomorrow fix. Or when it's a feature request that we know is not coming for years and years and years, be honest. Because the problem is, if you tell a person anything else, he's gonna write you in a week, did you get that bug fixed? Is an update coming? And you don't ever want to string people along. Again, honesty, as Jason said, endears people to you. They want to be loyal to people who are honest to them. So yeah, be honest. And if it's something that a lot of people are reporting, you need to put it in a public place, like on a forum or in your Twitter or whatever. We know about this bug, known issue. We're working on it. Hard, hard issue. That's it. OK. We're going to do a quick lightning round of my, my business advice. Can you hold it just to the end? Anyone else who's got their hand up? I do want to hear your questions, but I want to run through these slides really quick. Um, so I started this business a year ago, and I was in a very, very lucky place because I had amazing advisors, my, last, my former boss. I knew a lot of people in the industry, and I got really great advice from them, and it wouldn't do me any good to not share it with you. So some of this stuff is my own, and some of it is not, and I'm not giving attribution to anyone. So you can, <laughs> you can give me credit for all the really good stuff. Um, so this is the first thing. Never, ever lean deep into business advice given to you by someone who doesn't have a fulfilling and healthy personal life. I know we joke about the kid pictures, but the kid pictures are important because it shows that these people up here have lives outside of coding all day long. It shows that they have families to invest in and hobbies and other things that they're doing besides just sitting in their cave until 3 in the morning. Um, if I'm ever going to ask someone advice about anything, I want to know that they have great relationships, they have hobbies, they're doing stuff outside of coding. On top of that, you want to surround yourself with people who don't give a shit about what you're building but love who you are and not the opposite. We love conferences like this because it kind of gives us a sense of camaraderie with everyone, but these are not the people that we need to surround ourselves with. These are not the people that we need to be talking with or texting with all day long. We need to find people who kind of give our egos a little bit of a slam because it helps us remember there's humility in what I do. I'm not this great god building the next, whatever I called it, Guggenheim machine. So anyway, the next one is really, really important. I will take credit for this. It's OK to give away your ideas. Um, you shouldn't keep your ideas. You should just talk about your ideas. Because we don't live in an age anymore where people are going to steal your ideas. 
Um, you're going to make money by executing the most elegant and harmless and interesting version of any idea, not by being the only person to try it. So it doesn't matter if there's competitors. It doesn't matter if there's other people in the app store doing the same thing. It matters whether you're doing it better and you're doing it more efficiently and you're a little bit kinder about it. The next one. Absolutely. Same sentiment. Absolutely. Um, the next one, go to therapy if you need to. Tell them you're starting a company. They'll know what to do next. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Therapists are really great at this kind of stuff because they get you to talk about stuff you never get to talk about but always think about. You're paying them money so they can't walk away from you. Right? And they have experience in people transitioning from careers to career, especially people who are over 30. That's one of, the, one of the biggest reasons that people go to therapy is because they're transitioning from career to career. So they're trained in how to do this stuff. They're trained in how you walk you through it. It's very, very, very important. Um, next thing, don't be a dick. Swagger is not something you need to be successful whatsoever. In fact, it will repel people from you. And you want to be bringing people towards you and bringing people in to help you more and to be around you and to like you. Um, the next thing, this is a piece of advice I got from a friend of mine, Gary Vaynerchuk, totally name dropped right there. If you want a mentor, find someone who's amazing and ask to buy them dinner and take them out and do this until they offer to do the same for you. When they start offering next time, it shows that they're as engaged in your development as you are engaged in learning from them. And that's a solid, solid relationship that you can have with someone. Um, I know that there's a lot of controversy about the whole, like, sending entrepreneurs and famous people emails on, let me buy you drinks, let me buy you dinner. Trust me, it's, it's worth putting yourself out there because someone's going to bite on it. Um, the next thing, remember that <laughs> unkind people are maniacally unkind to themselves first and foremost. This includes your competitors who are going to be saying crappy things about you. This includes bad app store reviews. This includes customers who are mean. This includes anybody who's going to tear you down on TechCrunch or Hacker News or whatever. Remember that they're, they're, it makes their unkindness towards others more sad than annoying, and keep that in perspective. And also keep in perspective that you don't ever want to react in kind to anyone who's saying negative or poorly worded things to you. Um, next thing, ask for advice from everyone, including your customers. Ask for like, people to write you feature requests if you know that there's stuff that you want to add to your app. Ask people what they think about it. Ask for advice from every single person that you meet because you're going to get a lot of it. And that's going to be how you grow as a business leader, as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, or whatever. On top of that, find a spiritual center that's bigger than you and spend time thinking about it. And I don't mean religion at all. I don't mean like, um, yeah, I don't mean religion. Anything that's bigger than you that you can dwell on and spend time thinking about and know that there's something that grounds you out there. And again, this gets back to having a healthy personal life and a healthy life outside of your work. Next one, I'm totally calling out Dan on this because he talked about it yesterday, and I think he was wrong. Be good to your body. Donate at your desk. Get enough sleep. We are so bro party about powering through these like, you know, work, work times. We, we brag about not eating and not getting sleep, and I think that's a detriment to your mind. I think it's a detriment to the work that you do. I think when you're well-rested, you make better decisions, and when you eat, your brain is fueled, and those things should never be compromised just because you have the will to win. You can have both at the same time. Okay, so that's it, that's my advice. That's all I have at Taco Bell, don't forget that. Um, <laughs> and there's a couple other questions, you guys wanna ask them real quick? Uh, kind of both, 
whatever works for you, whatever you think is most productive for you. Mostly for me, it's at home. Like none of my friends have any idea what I do all day long. I've tried to explain it to them and they don't get it. I think most of them think I'm unemployed. I think I know my UPS guy thinks I'm unemployed because I see him more than pretty much anyone else. They think I, I, I don't know what they think I do when I'm gone all the time. Maybe I'm just on vacations three days a week. But yeah, so whatever works for you, you know? I'm not sure if you answered this already, but um, do you ever fire customers? Yeah. And uh, what, what point do you decide, okay, I'm going to fire that customer? Whenever they're a dick to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the second that it's gone over that line of I'm trying to be as helpful as I can and they're just not being responsive. And sometimes, like I said, you know, in that slide, people that are unkind are unkind for a reason. And sometimes they need to vent. And usually that ends up being like on the lowest denominator there, and that's always a support person. So there's a difference between needing to vent and me being, telling a person, I know you're frustrated, I'm so sorry about this, and then coming back and coming back and coming back, it just, it just being vicious. I don't need to deal with that anymore. That takes away from my time developing a great app for that person and for the other people who are really excited to use it. As a reminder, this talk is in our YouTube playlist called Building Your First SaaS, The Ultimate Crash Course. If you haven't checked that out, head over to youtube.com slash microconf and be sure to subscribe to our channel while you're over there. We are pushing out new videos almost every week at this point, and it's a valuable resource that as a founder, an aspiring founder, should be able to get some value out of. So I hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, would love to hear from you on Twitter at microconf at Rob Walling. Talk to you next week.